as I was reaching the end of this relatively massive journal article, my eyes suddenly flooded with tears. Because this week in the research, I encountered something that we had not seen before, and that is strength-based recommendations. The authors of this article, who were primarily from John Hopkins, eloquently and thoroughly review what we know and what we don't know about ataxia telangiectasia, and they do so in a way that keeps their actual patients, including their challenges and strengths, at the forefront of our minds. So let's dive in and look at this important research together. Welcome to the OT Potential Podcast, where each week we discuss one influential OT-related journal article. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Lyon, OTRL, and this week we are looking at the journal article, Ataxia Telangiectasia, a review. This article comes to us from the Journal of the Orphanet Journal of Rare Diseases. It was published in 2016, and it is ranked ninth on our list of the 100 most influential OT-related journal articles. So let's start with what is ataxia telangiectasia? Ataxia telangiectasia, which I am going to abbreviate to AT for the rest of this podcast, is a rare inherited disorder. It is characterized by ataxia, which is a form of impaired coordination, and also by telangiectasia, which is the widening of tiny blood vessels throughout the body. Um, One area that this is typically apparent would be just having red eyes because those tiny capillaries in the eyes are widened, and then the white part of your eye appears more red. But in addition to these two primary characteristics, there is a very long list of symptoms that we will get to in a moment. By the age of five, patients who have this disease often start to show progressive difficulty with coordination. And then the life expectancy for these patients is approximately 25 years of age. It is estimated that the incident of this condition is possibly as high as 1 in 40,000, which would mean that statistically in my home state of Nebraska, up to 48 people may have this condition. So what causes ataxia telangiectasia? In the simplest terms, a mutated gene causes difficulty making a protein called ATM. The ATM protein assists in recognizing damaged or broken DNA strands, and then it helps coordinate DNA repair. Without this ATM protein, cells throughout the body become more unstable. The full mechanism of how this protein functions and then how the disease manifests is not fully known, um, but we continue to learn more and more about it. But what we do know is that because the dysfunction is happening at a cellular level, systems throughout the body can be impacted. But for some reason, the cerebellar region is particularly impacted. So as occupational therapy professionals, what clinical manifestations should we help manage and watch for? Neurological impairments typically appear during the toddler stage. Like I said, they become pronounced usually by age five, but then they continue to worsen until the child is about 15 years old. But even as these overt neurological symptoms start to plateau around age 15, other symptoms continue to worsen 
and in particular an impaired immune system and increased risk of cancer can ultimately contribute to the shortened life expectancy. The article lays out the many symptoms associated with this condition, but I wanted to highlight the common signs and symptoms that may impact your therapy. The list is a little long, but I think it is worthwhile to walk through it. So for neurological impairments, um, these patients can experience chorea, athidosis, dystonia, myoclonic jerks, tremors, and bradykinesia. And due to these neurological deficits, many children with AT start using a wheelchair in the second decade of life. Vision is another area that is typically impacted, and this can manifest itself as ocular motor apraxia, nystagmus, hypometric cicades, strabismus, and VOR abnormalities. Feeding and swallowing is another area of potential difficulty, and this can manifest as dysphagia, aspiration, and involuntary movements that impact self-feeding. Specific cognitive deficits typically appear relatively early in AT and then become more profound during the later stages. And these cognitive deficits include intellectual functioning, nonverbal memory, verbal abstract reasoning and calculation, executive function, and perceptual timing. And finally, the most common orthopedic manifestation is acquired deformity of the feet. So what does this article recommend for the management of AT? It starts out by emphasizing that there is no cure for AT, and so the recommended management is symptomatic and supportive. As the symptomology of this condition can vary so much, many practitioners may be involved in the care of these patients. Occupational therapy is mentioned as a treatment option for neurological considerations. And here are the recommendations that stood out to me as especially related to OT and to our rehab team. The article stated that PT, OT, and SLP may help maintain function. That exercise may also help maintain function, but should not be used to the point of fatigue. The primary goals for feeding and swallowing are safe, adequate, and enjoyable meal times. A chest physiotherapy vest and chest physiotherapy can help clear the airway to prevent respiratory infections, which these children are particularly prone to. And finally, that early treatment of foot deformities may slow their progression. The article, as I mentioned at the beginning, also had several strength-based recommendations, and these were in particular related to the school day. The article states that while school presents a challenge for these children due to their neurologic impairments, most individuals are very socially aware and socially skilled and thus benefit from sustained peer relationships that can be developed at school. The specific recommendations that I thought were relevant to OT included that children with AT tend to be excellent problem solvers, so their involvement in how to best perform tasks should be encouraged. And next, that visual impairments can make reading difficult for these children. However, most fully understand the meaning and nuances of text when it is read to them. And as hearing is normal throughout their course of life, books on tape can be particularly useful for these kids. The article also encourages early use of word completion software. It encourages at school to allow rest time, possibly shorten days, or reduce class schedule. 
but it also balances its recommendation by saying that like all children, these kids with AT also need to have goals and experience the satisfaction of making progress. The article states that expressive language has been noted as a strength in AT and even in the later stages of the disease. And finally, it states that for everyone, long-term peer relationships can be one of the most rewarding parts of life. And for those with AT, establishing these connections in the school years can be helpful. So what were my takeaways for OT professionals from this research? As always, these are my personal takeaways. They were not mentioned in the article, and they're really just meant to get your wheels turning about the research. I have two takeaways. The first is that there are just so many disease-specific resources out there. And as OT professionals, we need to be using them. This is our second week in a row of looking at an in-depth review of a rare disease. And while I believe that as OT professionals, our focus on function will continue to be our bread and butter, we cannot afford to ignore disease-specific recommendations and considerations like we saw in this article. And my second takeaway was that a little strength-based language goes a long way. Now, this article was very detailed about the common impairments caused by AT, and the technical information about the disease far outweighed the amount of information about the strengths of the individuals with AT. But just having a few sentences at the end about these children's strengths made a huge difference in how I received the information from this article and really changed how I thought about this population. And I think this is just a great reminder that we should be including information about our patients' strengths in their treatment plans. This is not just so we can paint a more holistic picture for the readers of our documentation, even though that's really important, but I also think that lifting up our patients' strength can really help shape our own mindset to not be so impairment focused. Okay, that is all that I have for you this week. As a reminder, the OT Potential Podcast is an extension of the OT Potential Club. If you are an OT Potential Club member, I am eager to hear your thoughts on this review and hope to hear from some of you who have worked with patients with this condition. I want to thank you all so much for joining me today, and I hope that this podcast helps you provide great care this week.